Welcome to the Nurse Surgery Podcast. I'm Mike Wang, and I'm here with my co-host, J.P. Colson. We are here to discuss all things neurosurgical. Hi, this is J.P. Colson, a resident in neurosurgery at Rush University. Please note that this is not a CME event, and the opinions and statements made in this podcast do not reflect those of any institution or professional organization. Now, let's get started. Welcome back to the Nurse Review Podcast. Today, on this midweek episode, we are continuing our conversation with Nick Boulis. Nick, to just recap, is a professor of neurosurgery at Emory University in Atlanta. Nick, welcome back. Thanks, Mike. So, so let's let's continue on our conversation. We were talking about marriage and divorce, and you've been very generous with your time and honest about it. Um, you know, when I was at the the Georgia Neurosurgical, you you heard my theory on this, which is this idea of lost disutility which was a Nobel Prize winning uh, behavioral economics theory, which is that if you give someone a dollar or you take a dollar from them, it's not the same thing. They're, they don't balance out that you need to give them $2 or more to equal taking $1 emotionally. Mm-hmm. And so in a marriage, you do good things and you do bad things. And so the bad things stack up faster and harder yeah. and are remembered more. And you do that too long and then it's horrible. And then and, and so you often see people on their second marriage. And I look at the new couple. I mean, I usually know the man, right? So the new wife comes in and I'm like, in my mind thinking, she's no better than the first one. You're just pressing control, alt, delete. You're just yeah. resetting time. Yeah. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my theory on this. Yeah. But I, I, I know that you are much more, you're, you're much more of a neuroscientist. You think about this more philosophically than I do. What do you th- what do you think it is that Less drives economically? No, I, mean, no, I think I think the way your 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 approach is extremely abstract, and and I have I have been thinking about it since the Georgia Neurosurgical Society, and and I will I'll tell you frankly that I it's it's an interesting perspective, but it does not encompass uh, the heart of how my first marriage failed. I don't want to say my first marriage, my 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 last long term relationship in which I was married. Okay, so I'm with, not married. Okay, now. without personalizing yeah. it yeah. though. Okay, so why is it that neurosurgeons are so notorious for getting divorced? I mean, Duke University used to say they had a hundred and fifteen percent divorce rate or something like that. Right. <laughs> why? Like that's really high. Yeah. Right. And I and I have to say, you, you mentioned my going to Michigan. When I went to Michigan, one of the things that attracted me to Buzz Hoff's department was the fact that these were family men and mm-hmm. and the the residents uh, often got married and some of them had kids and the divorce rate in that group was very mm-hmm. low that's not true anymore uh, no no punch it at Corinne but but um, maybe it was an epic but but I was attracted to the fact that these people were going through residency and they were managing to maintain their relationships. Mm-hmm. And I thought that that reflected the value system of the place and it also reflected the fact that they were being treated humanely because I think, you know, certainly the, the more inhumane your situation is, the more likely your relationship is to suffer. So, so that was one of the th- reasons why I chose Michigan. I thought that it was a place where I could remain married and st- potentially start a family and these people embodied those values. But um, so, so in the last half hour you you alluded to the fact that the ability to procure resources is a driver for this and I can see that playing out a couple different ways by the way um, and, in terms of why that mm-hmm. leads to divorce. Maybe you can go into that or tell us about the uh, there must be other factors, right? Maybe it's our ego, maybe it's our work life uh, maybe it's leading, temptation leading to why we get why, we why get divorce happens so commonly. Yeah. So I mean I, I like your theory, but I don't I think it it, it describes 
a type of deterioration in relationship where, as you say, you stack up these um, negative motivational forces Mm. until they just overwhelm the inertia that is keeping you in the relationship Mm -hmm. um, and whatever positive feelings you still have, right? That that over over time, there's sort of a buildup of pluses and negatives and at some point the negatives outweigh the pluses. But I would also include in that there, there's a huge, um, inertia is a powerful driver. That is, particularly when you're extremely busy, breaking up your relationship and going through the process of a divorce is really hard, it takes a lot of time. So it's, it, there is a temptation to kick the ball down the road. Um, just be like, all right, deal with it, deal with it, deal with it. And that can let those negatives build up even more. But there's, so there's a risk in this, which yeah. is if you don't, if you're not honest with yourself and you're not honest with your partner about where, what's happening with you emotionally and what, what it is that you want out of your life and what you're not getting out of your life, um, then you're, you are at risk of stacking up even more negatives so that when you exit, mm. there's more animosity. It's more dramatic. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you don't want to get to the point where you hate that person, right? You want to get, to, you want to sit down with them and say, look, this is going the wrong direction. Now, uh, just to, just to, to, to question your theory, I, I think, and, and I have a hard time not uh, relating this to my personal experience. I wasn't stacking up negatives with regard to, to mm. uh, my wife. I was becoming increasingly aware of the inability to pursue the kind of life I wanted with her. So it was it directional. Was, like you had, you it, were looking at it. It was, it was the, it wasn't like, God, I hate that she does that. Right. 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 It's, it's that it was, it was a frustration and a realization that she wasn't going to come on the ride I wanted to take. She just so, wasn't. And, 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 you know, I, it's, and we are the kind of people, again, who, who identify what we want to do, what we want to accomplish, or, I mean, you know, you could argue that, that the, the kind of focus that allows you to become a great neurosurgeon also characterizes your ability to envision the future you want, right? And the more the, the future you want is not reconcilable with your relationship. Like you're not really allowed to go there because you need to go with your spouse. Then, then an increasing frustration can evolve. Okay. So so, that wasn't, I don't view that as a bunch of negatives about the individual. It was just me realizing who she was and realizing who I was and realizing how very different we were, we are to this day. And, and that, being the person I am, I want to do the kinds of things, certain kinds of things. She wants to do different kinds of things. So at some point, I was like, hey, look, I love you. I care about you. But I don't want to be married to you because I, I want to go in a different direction. So, Nick, and so that's hard. my explanation with loss utility does yeah. not speak to what's unique about neurosurgeons. It's, it's a generality of yeah. hum- humanity, right? But you brought up two different – let's just recap them. One was the access to resources. I can see that playing out in terms of temptation – 
uh, on a lot of sides, temptation availability of other partners, your partners seeing an economic opportunity, um, your, your uh, discontentment with the situation because you become entitled. All yeah. these things are related to resource yeah. availability. Yes, right? yes, yes. The second thing you talked about has to do with maybe the rapidity of change in our cognizance of, of what's coming and our ability to ha- have a deterministic role in this and seeing that change not matching with your partners. And then you grow, uh, call it grown apart, whatever it is. The vision's different, the mission changes, and then you have a natural separation. But there are others too, right? There are other, like just the sheer work hours, the calls yeah. at night, the stress of malpractice yep. or bad patient outcomes, all yep. these things, right? Stack up. Yep. Right. Okay. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I'm just, you know, if, if, they, those things can, can drive you closer or they can drive you farther apart. But, but I, you should also ask, add to the list um, the, the, the burden, the time burden of having kids. Okay, so, so there, there's this interesting thing, at least with me, as there's, there's the, all the career stresses, right? And yeah. you figure out how to balance those, right? But remember that... I mean, you both got together with this idea that you were going to create this family. Mm-hmm. Some people know, but but I think it, it's pretty common. <clears throat> and suddenly you have kids. And kids also require a huge amount of emotional, financial, and energy yeah. uh, demands, right? So I, I think that... Uh, I think early childhood rearing was one of the things that drove me further away from my Even wife. though your wife did most of the work, probably, uh, right? Did she do? Well, work? yes and no. I mean, she did more than me. Let's, yeah, let's I mean, it's almost always but, like that, right? But, but, you know, she's a successful clinician, academic, and, um, I, and to be honest, when we talk about my career as a research scientist, a, a clinical clinician scientist, I set up my life where on what we call the Lozano model, which is two weeks on, two weeks off. Mm -hmm. So I had two weeks in the lab, two weeks in uh, clinical. So I was, during those two weeks when I was in the lab, I controlled my time. Mm -hmm. So I would always be the first person home. I would cook Mm -hmm. dinner. Oh, I see. Yeah, so so my life as a clinician scientist allowed me to participate in my child rearing a lot more than if I was 100% clinical. So that's a little bit unique to me, but I structured it that way intentionally. So right? let me just say as an aside that I think, I don't think it's been studied, but I think that these problems or stressors are even greater for female neurosurgeons. And I, and even, I, would, I would guess. Right? I would guess. And, and I, not that I'm saying they have a higher divorce rate. I think that a lot of female neurosurgeons I know a lot have never been married, never had kids, probably consciously realizing that this... Well, there's a lot of factors. I don't want to speak to what people are motivated by, but let's just say it's an observation that a yeah. lot of female neurosurgeons are unmarried. And and both of us are, are dudes, so we can get into hot water and kind of yes, ascribing. We, right, we're not ascribing. We're making observations. But but I, I do think we should acknowledge um, that, that as much as one could imagine a world where the responsibilities of child rearing have been totally equalized. Um, we are still in a transitional period, and where we're transitioning to is, is not entirely clear. Uh, but there's still a societal burden on women to well, do more nurture. It's never going to be equal because the biologic hit 
is bigger for the woman, right? I mean that 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 yeah, yes and no. I could I mean I could imagine like that that we can accommodate the whole uh, gestation childbirth. Oh, but uh, the and, risk and nursing. the physical risk. Okay, right? there's there's there are physical aspects. Sure, you have a C-section. That's a surgery, right? I yeah. mean, no. So 100%. my my wife Amy and I I, I, I I should be open about this too. My wife is amazing. Everybody that meets her loves her. She and including I have, me. Including you. Everybody loves her more than me, right? And I, <laughs> I always joke that like if I, we ever got a divorce, I would have no friends, so I can't introduce her to everybody. Uh-huh. But you know, there there have been many instances in my life and her life where she probably had good reason to divorce me. And she she would have had solid grounds to say, Mike, you're not supportive. Uh, you're moody. You're never around. You don't do enough. You know, you're a great provider um, and you're a great friend. But, you know, but nobody's perfect, obviously. And, and everybody makes mistakes. We say mean things. We do things that are hurtful, right? right. And so to be in, in full disclosure, right, like I'm not in any way thinking that I'm better than the next guy just because I haven't gotten divorced or haven't gotten divorced yet, however you want to look at that. And I'm appreciative of, of her infinite patience, but I have a very traditional marriage. Mm-hmm. She does all of the work, right. and including all the house maintenance and right. property maintenance. I just go to work. Yep. But I, I think that that is something that is, is, is changing, although it may be the, one of the few models that seem to have worked. So when I look at it, I, I, I say, well, what, what should I do to prevent our separation Right, maybe it's inevitable, but but if I were to try to prevent it, okay, well, there are the obvious things you can do, right? Be more attentive, be more mindful, and and, and considerate, and all of these things, and generous. But we do have a unique scenario, mm-hmm. like you just said to you just indicated when you said the two weeks on, two weeks off. You consciously took a financial hit to do that. Yep. Well, I mean, let's face it. Uh, one of the other realizations of of life these days is that my ability to create ideas and pursue these ideas and having a laboratory and, and the engine to do that is more important to me than, than, uh, for example, having a Ferrari. So, so, uh, you know, it'd be to say I did it entirely because of family considerations, it wouldn't quite be right, but it, but it being a clinician scientist helped, uh, balance make me a part of my early kids. Yeah, you're, you know, I, let me just indicate that your self-awareness is amazing because just the fact that you say that, most people would have just taken what I said and said, yeah, that's right because, yeah. you know, I put my family first, right? But but your your ability to look at yourself is is almost scary to me because it's hard. It's, yeah. it's, 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 it's a dark area sometimes, yeah, right? Yeah, I think that's true, but, man, you know, I think, I think at some point... Uh, these things like you know all the all the trappings of success ring hollow unless you spend some time looking in the mirror, right, and figuring out what it is you want. I mean, I don't what, know that Genghis Khan did are. that. Uh, yeah, yeah, and I bet I bet Donald Trump didn't do it very much either. <laughs> so I do, I do, I do think sometimes as as I get frustrated with the with the political. Uh, landscape that you know maybe maybe there is something to be said for just never looking in the mirror and just f- continuing that way. I don't know. Whatever. It, it, it's it's the way I have to live my life. So let's let's go to some 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 of your hard earned wisdom. So you now are standing above young people or older people, if you will, and they come to you and they say, "Look, I'm in this 
situation where we're kind of teeter-tottering clinical equipoise between staying together or not yeah what should i have done differently so walk me through what it looks like for a resident yeah. you know working 88 plus hours a week stress no money a young doctor just starting your practice right the first five years which is a very difficult time um a sort of a mid-level person who's sort of in the peak of their productivity power authority and then someone who's beginning to lose that grip Right, which is also very difficult. That's a very difficult time for us. Uh, well, I personally, I, I think for me, the challenge is is letting it go and and not trying to hold on. Okay, so like, let's I go back to the resident. Okay, so but, so but, you're a resident a and you're like you're trying to preserve yeah. your marriage. Yeah. Okay, it doesn't matter if you're male, female, who you're married to, it doesn't matter. But you're trying to preserve your relationship and not separate. What do you do? And I, I know it's like overly broad. Well, the, okay, but. so so again, let's take a step back. I, I think that the question shouldn't be, <clears throat> what do I do to preserve my relationship? The question should be, should I be preserving my relationship? Is this the right relationship for me? Is Am I still the, this person? Um, and, and trying to be honest about that, right? And I don't, and, and, and I'm not trying to push people to... to to leave relationships or to not be committed because you have to be committed because relationships are hard and they're really hard in, in these, with these stressful lives and in each of the points that, that you pointed out because what's, what's true about everything you've just said is it takes a long time to get to the point where you have the time uh, to take on the work of fixing a relationship or breaking a relationship. <clears throat> so the number one thing I would say is it's very easy to ignore this stuff. And, and as you ignore it, you will become increasingly unhappy. And great. So, so you get that job you want. So you get all the money you want. So you buy the boats, the cars, whatever. Um, and you, you have the mentees. If you are completely unhappy... You, you didn't. You didn't so you're saying you're saying cut your losses early, maybe like be no, more introspective. Or I'm saying constantly be evaluating, like, is this is this right for me? Okay. So right? and 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 trying and this is this is the hard part, okay. right? Because at, at at the same time, you have to somehow be able to say yes. The reasons I got married are, are still hold, and you know, and this is a this is a good person. I'm a good person. The, the let's think. Let's try to figure out why I'm unhappy. This this kind of what was, what's the economic term you're using? Lost disutility. Lost disutility. Let's stare at the lost disutility. I mean, what are all these? Is this is my discontent simply a pile of small remediable? Issues that that if that she probably is collecting also, and and maybe we need to hit pause and bring in bring in like counseling or some some kind of referee so that we can begin to break the logjam of counseling. Yeah, I mean you, you know the the part of the reason that you kick the ball down the road is because you're having trouble addressing the these the lost disutility the collection of of disincentives that are that are driving your discontent okay so right? let me let me I don't, I don't want to be overly prescriptive yeah. but let me let me give an example of how I would 
address that. I, you, you alluded to it when you talked about how Wendy dropped you off at 4.30 in the morning to pre-round and all this stuff. Yeah. When Amy and I look back on our marriage, we got married. We met in the hospital when I was an intern. She's an occupational therapist and traveling at the time. And we got married at Steve Giannata's house when I was a PGY4, I think, a five, something like that. And when we look back on the days when we had no money, no time, nothing but putting out fires with the kids or the dogs or whatever, and, and you know we didn't own much, we didn't have much, that's when we built our strongest bonds and it was just her and me against the world, right? Yeah. yeah. And we were younger, so it's always easy to look back on when you're young and it was so wonderful. But there was a time that I will never have with any other human being again. Yep. Okay, let's focus on that. Which... And I'm not sure if I'm derailing the issue of how do you keep things on track or mm. not. Because it's hard for me to speak to uh, a successful marriage. Because my marriage wasn't successful. Right? Well, but, but it was. But it was, it, it was. I think, having come all this way forward. So, so to bring it back to my personal experience and the experiences of those who who come to a point of where the vortex is irreparable. Mm-hmm. And, and I think there is a question of whether it could, you know, how much, at what point you fish or cut braid. I mean, at what point do you say, this is, this is irreparable. But as I was trying to explain before, I think it is incredibly important that you, number one, if you made kids together, you keep that out in front, right? Because you both have that, forever responsibility to those kids and those kids absolutely need you to have a respectful and hopefully affectionate relationship that's important for kids um and i could go into the readings i did on the effects of divorce the tw- the 30-year study effects on kids and, and try the to negatives really, the, all the negative yeah. impact kids want parents who have a respectful affectionate relationship and frankly, most kids want those want their parents together. But if that's not going to happen, I think you really have to put the kids' interest first, and that means work your shit out, right? And if you have if 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 the, and and all of this lost disutility, collection of of gripes and and um, injuries, etc., like you got to be really careful that that doesn't affect your capacity to co-parent, number one. But, <laughs> yeah. So co-parenting, number one. And number two, remember that what you said, which is that you have a shared history, that, that and, and someday you are going to want to continue to share that history. You don't want to just bury that time and be the, the sole uh, receptacle of those memories. Because she has those memories too, mm-hmm. and 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 there was a time when things were really good because you got married, right? And 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 so to me, those two things. Number one, the the shared responsibility of co-parenting was something that both of us were so committed to that we we're like, all right, how are we going to to how are we going to work this out, right? How are we going to honor our our marriage and and be friends? Um, and number two, I wanted to honor my marriage and be friends because, you know, she was my wingman. She, I mean, she was the person I trusted more than anybody in the world. 
And I still trust her more than anybody in the world. And I have to because we're still engaged in the most important thing we will ever do, mm-hmm. which is parenting those kids. Okay, so, so let's get to the next stage. And, and I'm going to start this. Uh, the next stage is young attendingship. And if Mike Apuzo yeah. is the one who told me this is the hardest time in your life. And I'll tell you, just like you, I've met a lot of people. I've probably met almost 100,000 people and talked to them in my life. And I only know of four instances, four instances of people where the woman – the mother of the children in a marriage walked away. What I mean by that is left the kids, yep. didn't even say bye, boom, door closed, don't let the door hit your ass on the sure. way out. It happens with men all the time. Right. But a mother of a child simply walking away from young children without any correspondence, discussion, litigation or anything, just like that, yep. disappeared. Four times, <laughs> all neurosurgery wives, meaning the man was a neurosurgeon, yep. early in career, she walks out, he's like, what? This is a very unusual psychological and social situation. Clearly, the stress of being a young attending is enormous. Right. Right. So, so speak to that. Like, wh- like when you were starting at Cleveland, right? That's when you were in Cleveland. Yeah. How that was and, and what advice you would give to the young attendings who come to you at Emory who say, Nick, you know, I'm, I'm starting to sense that things aren't going so hot in my relationship. What should I do? Well, okay. So, so th- that's a very good point. What characterizes that stage of, of your life. And of course, our experience was academic. Mm-hmm. So this may not be at, but I suspect that the point at which you go into, into a, a new practice, um, the expectations are extremely high. Um, your self expectations high, you have to prove yourself. Um, so I suspect there's a correlate, but two things that happen in, in a life as an academic is, well, in my case, kids came on the scene. We intentionally deferred children um, till the end of residency because we were a dual power career couple. And, you know, she was building her career in residency, I was building mine. And it was right there at the end of residency that the money was going to facilitate hiring the help that was necessary for us both to stay on track, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I'm not the only one who... who who played it this way. Yeah, we've had, we'd had a podcast about that, about yeah. hiring all the help, right? right. Yeah. And yeah, finding those people, and boy, you know, getting a good nanny is really important if, if, you, if the woman is going to continue to ha- have a career or the partner uh, to get away from gender. But um, So one, kids came on the scene. Two, the pressure of, of being a junior attending that you allude to. And three, and this is important, you begin to travel a lot, right? Because... At least in my case, I had to be at the Society for Neuroscience meeting. I had to be at the gene therapy meetings. When I got into cell therapies, I had to be at the cell therapy meetings. Had to be at the subspecialty meetings. Uh, had to be at the general meetings. And this is the time when you can you begin to enter the uh, politics of neurosurgery and the societies. And, and you, you want to kind of climb up that ladder also. So, so you are not home as much as you used to be, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I remember very clearly thinking at some point that the only quality time that I got with my wife was the snooze bar. That was it. Like that was our <laughs> quality time. Five minutes in bed in the yeah, morning. You yeah. got it. Be- because like <laughs> literally I, w- I would come home because I, I would go to work earlier because I'm a surgeon and, uh, and I would sometimes make dinner uh, as soon as I got home and, and then we'd have to bathe the kids and do all that get to bed stuff. Mm-hmm. Kids were finally in bed, I would pass out on the couch. Uh, and that was, that was literally my wife's academic time, 
because you oh, know, she didn't have grants. So it was her computer would open up. I'd pass out on the couch. She yeah. would work till midnight. She would come to bed. Eventually, somehow I'd find my own way to bed. And then there'd be the snooze bar. And I'd think, this is it, man. <laughs> the five to ten minutes of quality time that I get with my wife. Yeah. Right here. Let's snuggle. You know? Um, and then, uh, gotta go. Done. And, and, you know, then you're out of town. And, yeah. you know, so there is... You gotta be careful about making time for each other. Um, because I do think that pro- propels the centripetal forces. Um, and, 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 you know, I think that, uh, I think in my case, listen, my life was a lot better when I was on the road than I was at home, when I was at home. Because, you know, finish work, a grueling work day, come home and, you know, make dinner, bed the kids, pass out, go to sleep, wake up. Mm-hmm. That's all. That is not a whole lot of fun, but you know when you're you know on the road at the whatever the nice hotel is, and you know the room smells good, and you get up and you go to a meeting, you present your paper, and and it's heady, and you know, yeah. Suddenly, not being home is a lot more fun than being home, right? Then. You know, you got to be careful about that. Oh, I'm that. very guilty of that. And and yeah. I, yeah, it's almost a refuge, right? Yeah. It's a refuge from work. It's a refuge from from the poopy diapers, and 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 so you got to be careful about that. And and boy, the two career thing, as you know, you you never saw my wife at, at neurosurgical meetings, right? Because because if she came to neurosurgical meetings and I went to ID meetings. We would never have had any vacation together, <laughs> yeah. right? So, so you're right. That that was a very centripetal time. Where after, uh, you know, six years of that, seven years, ten years of that kind of life, um, I, you know, that may have been part of me thinking, you know, she's not on the ride I'm on. So you know? the next stage of life. So when you were on the first time with us, I mentioned that I'm a, I'm a fan of Jordan Peterson's. I know he's controversial, but he talks about this thing about how people think that money's the solution and how the worst thing you could do if you were if you have addictive potentials to run into a bunch of money like an inheritance because uh-huh. then all you're going to do is buy all the cocaine and meth and you know it's it's a downward spiral. So <coughs> the next stage for the neurosurgery attending is something like in the late 30s, early 40s, on to maybe 55 when you're at your prime. You yep. are you are master of the universe now. Right. And to me, this is a nut, this has a whole other set of pitfalls. Interesting. I mean, this is when you're still young enough to be attractive as a man or a woman, yep. and you have money and yep. you have power. Yep. And you walk in the hospital and all yep. the people who might be attracted to you are attracted to you, right? right. That kind of thing, right? Yep. How how do you deal with that? I mean, that's that is one of the Well, look, I mean, truth in advertising. By the time I was firmly in that epic, <clears throat> I was divorced mm. and had a vasectomy. So, um, you know, I didn't have any disincentive to... But you went through it, too. You I, I did, and it, so, so I can validate that. I think it's, it's a heady... You know, you have power, you have financial resources. Um, there's nothing you can't have, really, within right, reason. Right. Well, I mean, when you say there's nothing you can't have, you're, you're really referring to... Materially. Materially, sexually. Yes. I mean, yeah. And, and let's, let's, you know, that is a powerful motivator, um, particularly in that stage of your life. You know, I mean, so, um, and I think you, you got to be, 
um, I, I think I think this is this is tough point because now you've got that money and you want to do things with your money, um, so you're you're you experience now freedom, right? Mm-hmm. That that the money brings you, and then and so the question is, do you, I mean do you want to share the scope of the of that those decisions? with that other person and to be quite honest i mean that's what i'm talking about what i was talking about in my my marriage where Hmm. you know here's this person who i respect who who i love but i had arrived at a point where there was zero passion and the things that she wanted to do with our the our newfound power freedom etc were not the things i wanted to do um in the way i wanted to do it um at all and and I was like, and 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 that became the issue. I was like, all right, look, I think it's time for us to you go your way, I go my way, and I will be there for you because we are friends, etc. Keep the kids out in front, honor, etc. But so so you could argue that I I I literally with open eyes embraced the I want to do it my way, not suborn. Uh, yeah. So born my vision of how I wanted to exercise that power and freedom to a shared vision. Because the, the shared vision just was discordant. Right? And and I think and, and I and that so again, it's a different model for how things can fail, right? It was not the collection of of overweighted um punishment. Mm-hmm. Um you what's the term again? Lost disutility. Lost disutility, right? Yeah. It was here we are at this next step, and you know the pa- why is there no passion? Because there's only five minutes that we really spend together every day, um, and that's when I'm in town, right? Um, and so the passion's not there. There's still all that kind of structure and shared history. But my vision of of where what I want to do with this newfound freedom is very different than her version. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, well, that was the point where we went or something. Yeah, I mean, and, and then the fourth stage is one that neither so, but you let's, or I have gone flip through. It, let's flip it back to, you know, so the point at which you look at that equation and you say, actually, the mutual respect, shared shared history, uh-huh. uh, our devotion to our children, the 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 stuff that we have built. I mean, to be fair, when I left the marriage, I left the home I built, all the money I put into it, all the art I had collected. I took the, the, I took my liquor and, uh, you know, the guns and, you know, like there was like, I mean, it was like the shit she didn't want. Right. right? And I packed it up and and, and you could actually pack it into a car. You could argue that you were very, you were very financially fair and generous with, Wendy. I mean, I, I think that's... Uh, well, I mean, I, and, and that, that is something that needs to come out of these podcasts is, you know, d- don't listen to the lawyers and try not to be entitled because no matter what you think at the moment when you're going through the divorce, you know, m- maintaining that relationship with that person is yeah, important. Much more valuable. And, and don't get sucked into the vortex because yeah. you did love them at one point and you, and you do care about them. They were your friend. 
get through these these gripes if you're going to go your separate ways fine but make sure that you don't go you don't do it on the cheap because that will that will drive things further apart so the fourth phase is when when you're starting to lose your grip that's sort of the senescent stage and yeah and i was going to posit it as a stressor which it is but let me ask you since you've been so open and 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 generous with with your wisdom do you worry that say surgeons who've had their spouse with them for 20, 30, 40 years, like they're going through this phase with someone there to maybe continue to validate them and see them as their younger selves, as opposed to mm-hmm. the road you're walking, which is much more independent, but carries that lone wolf sort of sort of concept, which is as you age, you know, who's the person that remembers the yeah. Nick Bullis of 1995? That's interesting. Right? That's, a, that's an interesting question. Uh, well, so to again, I, I as you said, I'm a pretty circumspect person, mm-hmm. and, and I am, and I, the way I'm pro- approaching that senescence is with intentionality, mm-hmm. and I understand that my time is finite, and there's other things I want to do other than neurosurgery. So I, uh, I, I like to think about you know in chess, there's there's different stages, and as far as I'm concerned, 55 to 65 is my end game. And so the question, really? so the question, you, you, know, you planned this consciously. Oh yeah, no, this is my end game, dude. The way, the way this is going to work is I, I am, I am intentionally trying to bring my senior scientists to the point of independence. I'm evolving my core mm-hmm. facility uh, to the point at which it will outlast me. Cause I want, I want what I built to, to, to continue that engine, the laboratory for, for innovation. And I want to slide back into a, a more meta role um, I don't want to operate after I'm 65. Uh, in fact, I, I, I want you to come and remind me uh, on my 65th birthday to get the hell out of the operating room. Not because, <laughs> not because I can't operate, right. but because, by, I mean, I've already done 6,000 operations. I'm not proving anything to anybody in the operating room at this point. And if I am trying to prove something, it's probably true that there's somebody else who could prove it better. Yeah, and you you've know. done, just for the listeners, you have done that. You've, you've, you have a co- corporation, yeah. right? You have a nonprofit. You have, you've, you've laid the f- infrastructure in place. It's not all, it's not all, how do you say it, abstract or... But, but, let's, but let's bring it back to the relationship issue. Yeah. Because I think that, that's the interesting thing you're asking, <clears throat> which is, who do you, at the end of the day, who do you want to share that park bench with? Right, and that's 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 past the, past the the decline. That's you know when you come in for a landing, hopefully, right. But but as you're in that decline, right, who's the person you want next to you, um, or do you truly want to be alone? Um, and 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 as we talked about being able to look into the future when you're making the decision to get married, when you're making the decision to get divorced, right. This is, I think, the part where you really have to project to that person you will be and ask, well, you know, be, be careful about th- throwing the baby out with the bathwater, right? Because maybe this person who you've got so many complaints about at this stage and who isn't sharing the life that you want and who is a little boring because you've been with her for 15 years when you can have anything, sexually, financially, whatever, that you put your mind to, and you want to you want to pursue all that, you know, The downside of that is, you know, on the other hand, you know, do do you want to be alone on that park bench? Do you want the person on that that you grew with, that you built with, right? 
to still be there in your life. And, and yeah, I mean, may, maybe this is a crap, maybe this is a dark side of me, but I'm trying to have my cake and eat it too, you know? And, and that's why I, I mean, I, I think I'm a successful, I, was, I have a successful divorce because I, I think that if I want to share a park bench with my ex-wife, that we will still enjoy that. Right, we will, we still enjoy each well, other's company. Well, so you know, this, and, you know, and, you're bringing it up. There's two models. But at the same time, I, you know, like the this sharing up. She's great for sharing a park bench. She's not so great for for you know cruising out of the dawn set at Burning Man. You know, um, after seeing Mayan yeah. Warrior and and you know and and going to Thailand and and you know all the crazy stuff I want to do. So so you know, but but that's okay. There are many surgeons who have remarried their exes. Mm-hmm. But, of course, the other side is the more common, right? That you find a younger person yep. that validates your vitality and all that. And mm-hmm. that's, we don't need to get into that because that's so, so common yeah. right in our culture. Yeah. Well, well, Nick, our cultural meaning neurosurgery. In, in, yeah. in America. Yeah. And so, Nick, I, you know, we do have to, to, to stop here. But maybe we can talk more about next time about your corporation or what you're doing with Alzheimer's disease and ALS and all these amazing things that you're doing. I know, you know, we always go into philosophy, but your science is, 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 is the top level. So at, at some time we do have to get into that. So thank you again for coming on the podcast for this uh, mini series. Right. Thanks. Mm-hmm.